Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth. And thank you for joining me. We're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament, as we call it, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. And this chapter introduces us to one of the biblical, one of the most prominent biblical heroes, uh, obviously, besides Jesus. This is the Old Testament. So let's begin verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I've provided myself a king among his sons. So as we pointed out before, well, first Lord is being translated here from the name of the entity or deity, Jehovah, as we've read before. Not always the case, but in that this verse chapter, it is person who who's communicating with is Samuel. And I almost said talking to because that's how it seems to read. But like we pointed out before, that contradicts what the New Testament says, that no one's heard God's voice or seen God's form at any time. Yet we've seen again and again instances of people talking with and seeing and even wrestling with God. So. It's just inconsistent. So if we're Christians, like I always say, we're supposed to lean into what Jesus says as our truth, regardless of what anyone else tells us, regardless of what we may want to feel, think, or believe, and regardless of what even part other parts of the Bible may say. But it's a choice. Believe what you want to believe. So those are the people. Samuel is the high priest, so to speak, of the nation of the Hebrews at this point. Saul is the first king of the Jews, as um as um, he's been inaugurated, not Jesus, King of the Jews, but the very first one that the people as a nation inaugurated and chose as their chose and inaugurated as their king. Um, so, but the conversation that the Lord, I'm just going to read it as the Lord, since that's uh, how it reads, though I don't believe it's God Almighty. Um, but it says Lord, so that's how we're going to read it. Um, the person that the Lord is having a conversation with Samuel about is Saul, who apparently has had a fall from grace because he had he wasn't faithful in an order to um, a commandment given to him. Um, not the Ten Commandments, like that say, thou shalt not kill, which is according to the Bible from the Lord, but the more, more recent commandment that was given to Saul to go ahead and kill, um, a commandment to kill and massacre. Um, Saul was halfway faithful to that command, in the previous chapter, and that half-heartedness earned him a place of getting blacklisted, so to speak. He's been rejected as king now for doing that, for saving someone alive when he was ordered to go and kill everyone, man, woman, child, and beast. So that's the beef that the Lord is having with, has had with Saul and has caused him to be replaced. And the mission that Samuel is being sent on now is to find and go inaugurate, choose, anoint Saul's replacement. Verse um, 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So um, now it seems the Lord is even instructing Samuel on a way to be deceitful, um, to um, use that deceit to get away with accomplishing the mission that he's being sent on. So um, opposing the governmental authorities 
in um, favor of keeping the religious authority. Something um, people in modern times do all the time. They ignore the commandments and things that, uh, whether you're a Christian, what Jesus says, or if you're some other religion of the Bible, and remember there are many, um, the other religions of the Bible and other world religions, generally speaking, also say thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not, shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, those commandments. People ignore those now all the time in favor of their religious uh, leanings. We see that in Georgia. We've seen that nationally. We, you see it every time there's an election. People put aside those things. They thump a Bible and say they care about in lieu of supporting people, causes, and um, and um, parties that actually don't benefit them at all. It's kind of sick, psychotic in a sick, sick psychotic way. But um, now Samuel is being instructed to do that. And the way he's being instructed to do it is to take a cow, a heifer. That's what a, I mean, that's what a heifer is, a cow. Um, and using that as the subterfuge for him to uh, get over on Saul by saying he's going to go make a sacrifice with that cow. Verse 3, then invite Jesse to, to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Saul, Samuel's being told to take that cow and say he's, um, in case Saul sees him heading, um, heading, um, heading somewhere with it, he can use that as a cover and say, oh, no, it's, I'm just going there to go make this offering, um, the animal sacrifice. And he's saying he's even being told um, who, he will be told who it is that's going to be the anointed one, the, um, to be inaugurated as the new king to replace Saul. Verse 4, so Samuel did what the Lord said. And went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? So um, the people are nervous about his arrival, um, presumably because they know that there's sort of bad blood now between Samuel and Saul, because Samuel announced to Saul that he's no longer going to be king. And not only that, but his replacement is already on its way. Um, verse 5 And he said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So um, he's going along with the orders he was given to take the cow um, and let the people in that area know he's there to make an animal sacrifice. And um, also choosing the family of which he was instructed that um, the new leader is going to be chosen from. Verse 6, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So just like we saw previously, well, he's saying Eliab is probably, must be the one that the Lord has chosen when he sees him, presumably because when he saw um, Saul, it was because Saul was so tall and handsome that made him stand out among everyone else. So presumably Eliab is also very tall and good looking. So uh, Samuel's assuming that that must be the one that the Lord has chosen to replace Saul. Verse seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, now that's very contradictory to what I just, was just telling you how Saul was chosen. Saul was specifically chosen and it was noted that 
He's so much taller than everyone else and so good looking. And um, it was said again and again when um, at the time he was selected. And yet now it seems the Lord has flipped the script and said, no, no, no. The Lord doesn't pay attention to the things humans pay attention to. So don't worry about how tall he is. Don't worry about how good looking he is. Well, that's all well and dandy, but that's not how it happened in the previous chapters, just a few chapters ago, when Saul was the chosen one. And like I said, specifically chosen, it seemed, because he was so tall and so good looking. And yet, like I said, now it seems to be a change of pace for selecting the new leader. Let's see. On some versions of the Bible, it looks like, um, say, for God does not see a man, see as a man sees, or it is not by the appearance of a man, or nor do I judge according to the looks of a man. So it may appear this that, that verse, verse um, um, seven, may appear in with those different versions in it. But whichever version it is, all three of those other versions still contradict the um, um, the spirit of what was said when Saul was chosen. It was specifically mentioned again and again how tall and handsome he was and that that's who the Lord chose. And yet now we see, like I said, now it's not the looks, it's not the height that matters to the Lord. Verse eight, so Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So what's happening now is just like when they cast lots, um, the same way you would have a, a, a lottery, not a computerized lottery that can be hacked, uh, but an actual lottery where there's, say, a basket of numbers and you draw from them, from them, or a basket of names and you draw from them, or drawing straws, or flipping a coin, a true casting lots to take out any corruption that's possible and leave it up all, leave it all up to chance, a true lottery. Um, so um, that's uh, what's happening here. Instead of using one of those methods, instead Samuel Samuel is having each of the sons of Jesse, since that's the household that was selected, he's having each one of the men of that household pass before him so that he can get the feel, the guidance, the um, instruction of which one it is who's been chosen to replace Saul. Um, and so far, two down, some more to go. Verse 9, then Jesse made Shama pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So a third brother, Shama, has passed by, and he's not the one either. Verse 10, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. So apparently Jesse knows how to have some boys. He's had seven sons, and none of them is the one that's been selected to replace Saul. Um, verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So um, um, Jesse has had all his boys pass before Samuel to see if they're the ones chosen to um, rise to power next. And it hasn't been any one of them, um, but he has one left, the youngest one. And so Finding that out, Samuel tells him to summon him also so that they can um, um, proceed with the ceremonies and that they aren't going to proceed with the ceremonies until that last son passes before him too to see if that's the chosen one 
or what's going on. Let's see. Verse. Sorry, hit the wrong button here. Oh, here we go. Verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So now, once again, the good looks are mentioned. Um, and ruddy is mentioned. So ruddy means he's uh, red. And so red could mean um, a red-headed guy, or it could mean um, in the uh, it could mean he's light-skinned. He could be black with light skin, or he could be like a Native American with red skin. So ruddy could mean any one of those things. Um, and it says bright eyes. Um, doesn't say blue eyes. Doesn't say green eyes. Uh, doesn't say brown or black eyes. It says bright eyes. Um, so the person who's chosen has um, red skin or reddish skin. That's what ruddy means. And um, is good looking and has bright eyes. Um, and he's been the one that's chosen. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So that's the new one, the big hero the prominent one I was mentioning earlier is David, the same David and Goliath, David, King David. That's who, um, this is when he was chosen to be the next king of the Israelites. Um, let's see, verse 14. Uh, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and the distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. So spirit here and in the previous verse is capitalized. So presumably, excuse me. So presumably it's talking about the Holy Spirit um, was apparently with Saul previously, but is now not with him anymore. And now it's moved on to... Um, uh, a distressing spirit, um, a troubling spirit, say like a demonic spirit, um, has moved in in place, and um, or it's that's what's occupying Saul now, a distressing spirit. But that spirit is lowercase, so that could be many different things. That could be just like uh, spirits, as in what you find in the bottle, liquor, those kind of spirits. It could also be. Um, uh, spirits like if you think demonics but not spiritual demonics but when um when people say uh, wrestling with their demons like gambling or some other vice that people have trouble with it could mean it in that sense whatever the case may be saul's no longer at ease the holy spirit is not giving him rest now but instead something is on his heart and distressing him verse 15 and saul's servant said to him Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. So now the people are apparently recognizing that Saul's not how he used to be, and he's very troubled, and they're even putting it on a, a distress, distressing spirit, and it's saying from God, and God is capitalized here, but as before, it's being translated from the word Elohim, which is the um, case whether God is capitalized or not. The G in God is capitalized or not. The word is still Elohim, not Jehovah, uh, not El, not Yahweh, not 
uh, YHWH, none of those things. It's Elohim and it's God, even though it's capitalized. So it's presumably talking about referring to God Almighty. But the English translation of these words, God and Lord, are translated from different things again and again and again as we read. Um, so anyway, the people are recognizing the change in Saul and that it's not good. Verse 16, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful, skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand. And when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So the remedy for Saul's distress and the spirits that are ailing him, the people are saying, is some music. They're saying, have someone who's a skillful musician on hand to play music and soothe your soul when that distress falls upon you. Verse 17, so Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. So Saul's heeding their advice and um, um, demanding that the people bring him a musician to help soothe his soul. Verse 18, then one of the servants answered and said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. So um, now they're saying um, the description, the person they're talking about, I'm pretty sure is David, but th that doesn't sound like the ruddy youth that they were just describing previously, who's just out tending to the sheep. Now they're sort of describing him as some grand warrior who's um, uh, valiant in battle and a mighty man and all of that. Um, you can begin to see how the, um, the subjective narrative is starting to already form around David. And um, if this is David, I'm pretty sure it is, if I remember right. But um, they're saying that Jesse has a son who can play an instrument well, and that that's who Saul should get to play the instrument for him and soothe him. Verse 19, therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Saul's listening to the people saying that Jesse has a son who can play well, and he's saying, go get him. And he's summoning him from Jesse, his father. Verse 20, and Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent him by his son, sent them by his son David to Saul. So Jesse is being obedient to the king's command and sending David, uh, who's basically been drafted at this point, to go to serve the king. Verse 21, so David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. So it was, uh, uh, they hit it off instantly, Saul took him in as his armor bearer, meaning the one who would carry his suit of armor and whatnot, his weapons of war uh, before him, and he immediately took him in. Verse 22, then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So now as if the king would need permission for um, to draft anyone or even parental permission, um, Again, it seems like the subjective narrative is starting to form and take place. But whatever the case may be, it's saying Saul is requesting now from Jesse that his son David, who he just demanded to show up, now gets to stay with him. Verse 23. 
And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshing, refreshed and well, and the dis distressing spirit would depart from him. So apparently David was David's playing on the instrument was soothing to Saul enough so that the distressing spirit, as it's called, would leave Saul alone and he could um, rest again and be at ease again. So um, Saul has basically adopted David into his household as his armor bearer and as his uh, musical physician to play for him whenever he's feeling stressed or distressed and would get relief in that way. Um, and we know that's not going to last long because um, rivalry is on its way between the two. Um, because he's already been told he's going to be ousted and that there's a replacement on its way. I don't think he realizes that David is that replacement. He probably doesn't even want to accept the prophecy that um, Samuel gave that he was going to be replaced. We know he doesn't want to accept it because he basically begged Samuel to stay there and sort of help um, bring him back into favor with uh, the Lord. Uh, but he was rejected from that in the previous chapters. That last verse was the last verse in this chapter, though, so that's where we'll end this reading. I appreciate you joining me for The Naked Truth. Hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. I love you, and I appreciate you listening with me and hope to see you next time. So peace be with you.